Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 955 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Pyle, joined today by the usual crew from Wisconsin, Ben Funky Askren. From right here next to me, fresh off the road, James Dean Raider, and what a trip he had. We'll get to that. But first, let's check in with Ben. A couple days after who's number one, Ben, you recovered? You feeling good? Uh, yeah, actually, you know what? I actually took two days off. I didn't do anything for Sunday or Monday, which is, I don't know, first time in, oh, who knows how many months. I can't recall the last time I actually did that. Um, so it was really good. Kids all went out to school today, so Ozzy's in kindergarten. So uh, that was a exciting morning here at the Askren household. Awesome! All your all your little Askrens are off to school now. That's a that's mm-hmm. a big milestone for a family. Yeah, yeah. So it's good. For actually, first year they're actually all in the same the, the same school. And it's gonna be the only year they're all in the same school, which is kind of sad. Oh, well, that's cool. I know. At least, at least yeah. have one year. So who's number one was awesome. We were so excited you guys bring that to Wisconsin. So I guess I got to ask you right away. Hey, can we come back to Wisconsin? We sold out. We packed the gym. We come um, back to Wisconsin or what? Well, we'll have a more thorough process for for, for next year. But I'm gonna need you to commit right now. All right, we're <laughs> we're coming back to Wisconsin. Will it be for who's okay. number one, or will it be just be visiting Ben? I don't know. Okay. But no, our, our hosts at, at UW Parkside were were phenomenal. We loved it there. We loved Kenosha. Uh, everything about it was great. The fact that there were two AWA guys in there were, was awesome as well. Great way to close it out. And yeah, for sure, the, the crowd showed up and was excited. And you know, it, they were they were they were glued and couldn't wait for for a lot of those matches and really engaged from from start to finish. So it was a great experience. Uh, it was a little. Little warm, but uh, I it wasn't. so I already got I already got that taken care of. You know what? I didn't think about so we run camps there, right? Yeah. And it's funny that building has AC, but not the gym, right? Or the wrestling room. And so you know when we're working out, you sweat your balls off, kind of. Oh well, who cares? Uh, and I didn't think about. You know what? I, I saw it. I saw it when my man Randy Farrell came in with the three piece suit, and I said, Oh, wait, we don't have AC in here. This mug's gonna be hot all night. Um, but I talked to Craig, uh, Craig Becker, and I think we, we're going to try the portable AC units uh, at one of our camps. I did them, no, I did it like five years ago at a different venue, and it actually works like really, really well. You'd be surprised how much uh, coolness you get. So we're, I think we're going to try those next year. Okay, AC Radio Live here. Uh, Ben's got That's an great. HVAC lane uh, guy. Well, lined I mean, for up all of us, I'm sure there's a lot of people who deal with hot wrestling rooms at hot wrestling camps. And I'm just letting you know, they actually work. So we did two portable ACs and one portable dehumidifier. Work like a charm. And actually, you know, sometimes in the summer when they're sweating too much, that's a little little bit of a liability issue. Yeah. Yeah, you got to keep them cooled down. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about the, the wrestling itself. Maybe starting with, with the main event, Sinclair, Mirasola, two Askren guys. You were in Aiden's Corner. Max was in uh, Connor Mirasola's. Uh, you 
start with you. Your thoughts on, on the match? Yeah. Um, you know, it's fine. I haven't even talked to Aiden yet because I told him he was all worried about everything that happened. And I said, listen, I need you to just enjoy the fact that you were in the number one spot in the country. Take a couple of days off and we will talk about it. So if he's listening, this will be the first time he hears it from me. Do you mean, um, do you mean like just the sort of awkwardness of beating your teammate? Is that what you no, mean? No, no, no. Just all, all his mistakes or problems or things oh. he can fix, you know? It was like he wanted to worry about him on, on Saturday night. And I said, I don't want you to worry about him. Because right, there's, there's a healthy balance of being like obsessive and then like sometimes you do some really awesome things and you just need to take some time and enjoy it. Yeah. So that was, I like, I, ref I refused to talk. You <laughs> trying to text me on Saturday night and I'm like, nope, I will not talk to you about anything. Um, so I was just like, no, I'll talk to you Wednesday, talk to you Wednesday, talk to you Wednesday. I just kept ignoring him. Um, so, you know, Cold, uh, Connor did a great job in the first period controlling the hand fight. Uh, and actually after that period, I was really, you know, a little bit concerned like, oh man, you know, Aiden's not really, he's kind of getting dominated in the hand fight. Connor's really taking ground and moving forward. You know, that being said, Connor wasn't able to, to really put an attack together to get close to a score. Um, and in the second period, you know, Aiden's had this thing because I, I kind of won't teach him how to ride because I kind of think there's a lot of important things first. But obviously, he's gotten pretty good on top, right? Um, he rode the number one guy in the country for, for two minutes straight. So I, the plan was hit some of these uh he does that i don't even know what the damn move's called it's really good it's really annoying we're actually gonna work more of it this week what's that move called which move the, the, the ankle, ankle pitch yeah Mako does it really good penn state does it really good he did it really really well whatever that is aiden is he's super annoying there because i even have trouble i i know how i stop him from doing it to me now but it is it's really tricky uh and he's, he's really really good with it so he was able to ride out the second period and then obviously Connor had to be a little too aggressive in in the third period, and Aiden was able to counter and score. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a really impressive ride. I'm, I was surprised to hear you say he dominated. He was controlling center more, but in the hand fight, um, I guess the, my biggest surprise of the match was Mirasola just not even getting close to a leg, no connection on any shot whatsoever. I thought yeah. that was an so, area he could. I do I mean, know, is, but I would Aiden's also say, sorry, go ahead. I would also say like. Aiden's offensive output lent itself well to n him not getting in because he really thrives on like reattacks and guys mm -hmm. attacking a little lower and Aiden didn't really do that once. Yeah, so I mean that was that was so Aiden uh, listen, this is Aiden's goal for the fall is to learn how to go underneath people better because he's not great at it. And so we kind of decided well the the worst person to get it started against is Connor Marisolo because he's so good at go behind. So we're gonna yeah. really not go underneath him, or really, really a limited amount. We're not we're not gonna shoot underneath him. So we're gonna try to utilize drags under uh, other things he's good at in order to score. Um, yeah, and with Aiden, he is uh, he's tough to get to. His baseline defense is really good. So you gotta um, you know, you gotta kind of take a lot of volume shots and then obviously be good at not getting scored on when he tries to re-attack you. You know, that's kind of like, for me, that's the key against him. I, I think I see that's what Mitchell does when he wrestles him as well sometimes. Um, you know, and Aiden's not an easy puzzle to figure out. He hasn't lost in America since April of 2022. And, you know, he, he didn't wrestle. He made one mistake at Worlds, and the guy did have a, a counter score on him. The guy didn't actually score on him offensively. It was, you know, he, he really tried to force a duck too much, and um, then didn't give him enough time. Didn't give himself enough time to come back. But he actually doesn't get scored on all that frequently. I guess the one match would be the Joey Novak last year, where he did get scored on a few times. Yeah. So after the, you know, like you said, Mirsol had to get a little more aggressive. 
a little out yeah. of position on a shot. Aiden hits a nice re-attack and gets the double uh, f- double leg finish and then yes. gets the ride. Um, very, very impressive performance there. I, I kind of had wondered if Connor had maybe narrowed the gap enough that this could be really uh, a little closer, but not yet. At least. Well, it was kind of. I mean, honestly, besides the ride, it was kind of the same match ride. Yeah, you're well, right. Last time might have been a takedown and reversal, or I forget because he because Aiden wrestled Connor and Cole in the same day. So I mean, both of them were really close. But yeah, I mean, it was one takedown, and you know, Cole still got to figure out how to get to Aiden's legs and score him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that was that was a cool conclusion, and excited yeah. to watch both their careers and and Cole's kind of unfold at the next yes. level because I think all three can have really bright futures mm-hmm. uh, okay other work matches that we can work backwards we don't have to go through every match because my goodness okay. uh, but <laughs> Forrest Rainey easily goat oh, who's number one going match to the best match right away skipping right to it yeah we'll go where we feel uh, I'm not going to talk okay. about everything um, that was just incredible I couldn't it was like you know you can get some high scoring matches sometimes um, but the back and forth nature of this one, and yes. and Rainey's like fight and desire to keep himself in the match, when every time it looked like it'd be over, you Rainey would do something, get some takedowns, and then every time it felt like Rainey had firmly shifted momentum, Jax would get a takedown all the way till the very end, and you yeah. get overtime, and um, yeah, I, I was so impressed with both guys. Yeah. I, I would voice the same thing. I mean, I, I've said now, both after Fargo, which was one rainy brother, and the world's and Greco, albeit even he showed great feel in Greco, their feel and the way they move is is really awesome, and they've kind of really figured out a lot of positions. So I kind of, I, I mean, I think I said on uh, Thursday, I, I told Sion to bet this one is match of the night, and it was in fact match of the night. Um, yeah, so the three-point takedowns, this is the, actually the only match where it came into effect. So Forrest actually had two reversals. So under old scoring system, Forrest would have won in regulation mm-hmm. um, over Rainey. Um, so the three-point takedowns do matter. Rainey, the other po- really positive thing Rainey did, which is funny because he gave two reversals, he wrote out two periods. He wrote out the second period and he wrote out the third period where he yeah. had Forrest finishing on bottom in that period. Um so yeah, just a kind of awesome match by both guys. I, I think the gym was like standing and clapping for them the whole time. They were really into it. Um, yeah, nothing but positive things to say about these two. Yeah, set an, set an incredible tone for the evening as well. Um, the Knox Deluca match was was also totally insane, just in how it ended. Um, it looked like Deluca had executed a textbook game plan against Anthony. Mm-hmm. He got the opening takedown. He was really Anthony wasn't even Wait, close. I don't think there was a takedown for Deluca. There wasn't, was there? It was wasn't it two zero when he ducked him or no? No, he, he had a he had this he had like a misdirection single leg. Um, oh, that was right. Uh, he didn't choose bottom. That was what it was, right? Right. Yeah, he didn't go under in the third. That's what it was. Okay, sorry. So yeah, so he had had it. He'd done everything, and like really, Knox was never close to a score. And then able to get that final takedown, and then Knox or Deluca was fighting so hard at the end to not give up the takedown. He ends up going to his back. Yeah, which at that point, kind of whatever, right? The takedown yeah. loses it for you. Might as well fight all the way. 
Um, yeah, I thought uh, that that last it was a duck that he hit. I think a duck to a bear hug. Uh, he had tried it, you know, one or two times prior to not getting it, and it was just one of those things where it's like he's like, I'm gonna force this, and I'm gonna keep forcing it because this is where I'm at, and I'm gonna try to win the match. And Deluca maybe just let up just just a little bit, and that was all that it took, and he was able to get to the bear hug. Yeah, it was like the same attack twice in a row. Um, yeah, and he eventually got to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was an amazing match, and you know the who's number one sort of had this little theme at the end of of training partners and friends wrestling each other because those guys are extremely close. Uh, oh, they are. Well. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, they're they're like best friends. They train together. Oh, wow. They train together all the time. Um, right. So it was sort of, I, I don't think it was like natural for them to have that match, you know, deep down, but um, they knew it was the best match and way to get involved in the event. So it, it was cool. You know which match was uh, really low scoring but high, uh, really fun scrambles and high levels uh, was um, Davino Larkin. I, you know, I knew Davino you was able that, to get yeah. some attacks. Larkin had some good counterattacks and wasn't quite able to get to any scores. That was a really fun match. Yes, it was. No doubt. Um, any other matches stick out for you? Um, well, obviously, Zepeda and Bassett, and we questioned Bassett bumping up this much in weight because he had just wrestled. Yeah. They're 21 and 25 were his last two competitions, I believe. Um, and, you know, he got kind of put to his back right away, and then he got up, and he you know got a takedown right away, and you think, oh, okay, this is a seven-minute match. You know, is Zepeda going to be able to hold up? But then... You know, Zepeda got the takedown on the right in a second, and then gets a, uh, I think, a couple takedowns in the third before the fall. Yeah. So, uh, really dominant performance by him. You know, I haven't paid a ton of attention to uh, Daniel Zepeda for, you know, for whatever reason. A lot of times I'm watching whoever AWA guys are wrestling, and just by chance, maybe I don't get to see them a lot. But um, I know this guy had a lot of big wins at the PL Chicago last year. They had a crazy bracket. I can't remember who was in it right now. but man, he just keeps racking up win after win after win. He's super good. I felt like that match. Everyone's going to talk about the size. To me, what stood out and what really made the difference was tactics. I thought Bo was—I don't know if over wrestling or over. He was just too trying to make it happen. He was trying to—he was trying to employ a breaking like. It seemed like he felt Zapata was breaking during a time Zapata was not breaking at all and was implementing tactics like releasing him right away and just yeah. o- over aggressive in the snaps and just I felt like he just didn't make the adjustments uh, more than anything. Didn't wrestle even even when he gave up the near fall. I felt like that was that turn was more about Bo's kind of rushing the position more than. Zapata executing a turn in that first period. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like he, yeah, brought himself I mean, out of and position. Scrambles too, and there was a scramble actually in the first period. I think, I and maybe it was the one where Bassett got the takedown, but Bassett was almost pinned there. Uh, yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying? Where he tried rolling him through, and he kind of got caught for a minute, and then they got in that same scramble in the third period. I, you did see well. the. That's where I saw the weight. When he was trying to pass and do certain things like that, I was like, he's probably passing this with a lot more fluidity against someone a little smaller. But to me, yeah. I'm, as dominant as Zapata was, I didn't leave that match thinking, oh, there's no way, there's no scenario Bo would ever win that match. Um, but with those tactics, he certainly never will. Yeah, so I mean, that's another match where um, 
obviously if he gets off his back it's it's 22 to 7 but but he actually under normal high school scoring i think it's actually like 16 to 6 or something right because yeah he had a, a bunch of takedowns and a three point near fall that would all be minus 1 point for that and then the last near fall would be minus another point um so you know and you know i guess the one positive if i had a really positive thing about the three point takedown and i actually i actually looked through all 10 matches this morning to make sure i wasn't um like misremembering anything, it affected the outcome of one 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 match. That's it, right? But the other thing that I think about sometimes with folks all the fifteen point tech fall is just it's it's so far, especially yeah. if you're not getting a ton of turns. Um, you know, in freestyle, five takedowns would be a tech fall, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in folk style on a two point system, it's probably like somewhere between thirteen and fifteen, depending on if you ride out periods and stuff like that, right? right? Um. That's just so many free. That's so many takedowns. Yeah. It takes so long to get there. So, if you want to shorten it up, and you know, because obviously it could be now somewhere between say six or probably six or seven. That's kind of like that's fine for me. I don't really see the issue. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I think it could be narrowed for sure. Okay, anything else? Who's number one? We've got a lot to get to. We got to get to Rob Cole, um, Castillo, and. Uh, Kenny. I actually thought it was maybe going to be like last year where Castillo bumped up and there was a weight disadvantage, but Castillo-Kenny was a lot of fun. Castillo won in overtime. Um, let's see. Is that it? Sorry, let me look through all of this to confirm. Merrill was really dominant in his match. Oh, my gosh. Yep, that's all I got. Oh, I know. I was th- <laughs> With Merrill, I'm like, he may not be by process, this guy, but I, there's not a more impressive high schooler to me right now. There's not a guy like that I think could go and contend. Like I could see him entering Division One tournaments and having success, even right now. Maybe not an All American this year. Oh yeah, but I think well, he's. Hold on. I feel that way about a bunch of them. You don't? I mean, I do. I think there are others, but I'm saying he's the one that stands out the most for me. And he would be at 97. Because you obviously yeah. he's not going to do it at. Heavyweight. heavyweight, like Jacks. Jacks Forrest is. Uh, I mean, he obviously has. He had, he beat Brett Younger last year. Uh, he certainly can. But I just think, you know, if you're giving up 15 points in a, in a in a folk style match right now in high school, that's going to show up. But I just love Merrill's. I feel like his game is really, really safe and just going to translate really well. And obviously, Forrest is going to also, and many of these guys. But for me, yeah. Merrill just stands out with his dominance, his strength, um, his technique looks just so clean, and I, I think wherever he goes, it's gonna work. Yeah, I would say, I mean, to that, Christian, I would say, well, Forrest already has, right? He he's won mm-hmm. some matches. Um, he beat the Cornell kid last year. You know, a Kyler Larkin. I want to say he beat a couple of good kids because he was in UWW juniors, um, not cadets. Um, Connor beat uh, who the heck did he beat? It wasn't an All-American but it was someone who wasn't really all that far off. So I think a lot of these like at this point if you're a really high level high school kid you can compete with that I don't know we'll say what 6 through 20 range of college kid like you could lose to some of the kids who are maybe not that high but you may sneak a win against someone who's better. Put it this way I think Merrill's the best high school wrestler in America. Really? Yeah. Better than well, who wasn't there? Because hold on, uh, not gonna get the rankings. Zach Ryder and yes, 
We should do Merrill versus Hopke. Why did we do that one? Hopke didn't want to be in the. He played football. Oh, okay. We well, like Luke Lillardall. That's another one that I think Cody Merrill would beat him personally. <laughs> What'd you say? I think Merrill beats him personally. You think Merrill beats uh, Lil, Luke Hopke? Lil Adol. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Shut up. You don't agree? <laughs> All right. Ben, ben disagrees. We'll set it up. Oh my God. You're being, you're being ridiculous. <laughs> I may say. No, Luke Lillardall has been super impressive. Uh, you know, he's one that's continued to get better and better. Yeah, he's uh, awesome. Honestly, Hopke versus uh, Merrill is a lot of fun. Uh, yes, it is. I don't know if Hopke, you know, he's got football maybe, so I don't think he wrestles in this fall stuff. Um, yeah, it's a fun match. Yeah. I will say not maybe best or maybe best, but Jack's force is kind of becoming like the face of high school oh, wrestling yeah. right now. And that's just because of how much he wrestles and puts it on the line. And also how he wrestles, too. Yes. Like he, he wrestles like his hair's on fire the entire time. Uh, he, he's, he's. I never heard that phrase. Where'd you get that one? I don't know. I didn't make it up. Okay. That's an old saying back in Virginia. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> Boy, he came out like his hair's on fire. Oh man, that's kind of a good saying. I kind of like it. Yeah, well, you can you can use it. I might use that. The Rainy Brothers do that too. Oh yeah, savages. That's why their mattress so savages. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the one thing I would say if I was uh, advising. Jack's Forest. Uh, and it is funny because he has so many different coaches. And to me, that could go one of two ways. I've said this exact same thing about him before. It's like, this could be super brilliant or it could be a total backfire. I'm not certain. Um, but the one thing I see with him is just um, almost a little too funky, right? And not quite fundamental enough. And who knows? Maybe he, you know, he's tall and lanky. Maybe he grows in and gets a little more powerful. And, you know, I could see him having trouble against someone like, like a. A Davino would be a great example. Who yeah. beat him in the UWW Cadet Finals? Someone who's really fundamental, strong, solid, um, and, and kind of powerful. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, I, I'm curious as I look at Jacks, like how big is this guy going to be? Is he going to be like a 49, 57 by the time he's in in college? That wouldn't really surprise me. Oh, not uh, at all. I mean, I think it's one of those where. Um, you know, is he going to fill into his body, or will he always be skinny? Right? Because there, there are certain guys who are just—they are just going to be skinny kind of their whole lives, right? And there's certain guys who fill out into the weight class. Yeah, I don't know. There are many. Think of a middleweight, which will, let's just say Jax will be that is that spindly right now at high level. It's spindly, like, spindly. You know, like <laughs> spindly. Now you're like, offended. Going here, offending people. Like. What Spindley's not offensive. I know what you're saying, but it's kind of offensive. What's what's offensive about Spindley? Hey, Zapeta beat Zapeta beat Kyler Larkin and Dalton Perry last year at uh, PNL. I was I looked it up, so I knew. Yeah. Anyways, um, um, Spindley is not a great term. Yeah. So Keegan O'Toole would be one that was like you know because I want to say he was the same height, and I think like uh, the one year he wrestled what sixty five. KG or something. I remember the one year was just in 32, uh, 132, so it's 60. He's probably a little little shorter. And he was, you know, the kids always want to get bigger. He's like, next year I'm going to be a 74 kilogram. I'm like, my butt you are. And I think I actually said, I don't know if you're ever going to get to be a 74 kilogram because his dad is, well, I don't want to listen. Brian O'Toole might attack me for this, but he's a little bit spindly, you know? Yeah. And so I said, you know, your dad's kind of skinny. I don't know if you're ever going to be that big. And look, he's grown into 74. 
Yeah, it happened. Yeah, yeah. This is not. Yeah. That's not the first time you've insulted uh, Brian O'Toole's physique on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Talked about his buggy whips. Buggy you, whips. Great term. That would be a term you used of someone who's got spindly arms. Okay. Wow. So you're offense. You're joining the uh, the offensive party here. <laughs> Let's just offend as many people as we can to make people mad. Spindly I actually think that is a negative part of being on the show for me, Christian, uh, because, you know, at, we we just have to watch. We have to watch, and we have to say what we think is the truth. And mm-hmm. me, I may do it a little more direct and to the point than you. You may make it a little more soft. And then so people take us like, I don't like them. And it's like, no, I'm just, I'm just saying what I see, and that's it. Like, yeah. don't get so mad about it. Yeah, you don't have to like Brian O'Toole. It's fine. No, I love him. He's great. <laughs> He's yeah, awesome. maybe you want to fight him. I don't know. But he, it's okay. he does. He tries to come and get aggressive with me. Every time he sees me, he comes and gets aggressive with me. Okay, I can see that. Okay, let's. We got to talk about this. Mon- I know what. That's what we're talking about right there. I saw him on Saturday night. Rob Cole. He was there in his Carolina blue. I grabbed him before he left. Got an interview with the man, the new head coach at UNC. That was announced on Thursday. Uh, I I think it's seismic. I think it's huge. I think, I think, but the potential at UNC is we 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 talked about it. I talked about it on the show not long ago that mm-hmm. I think it's really high. And maybe maybe Ben doesn't agree. Maybe he does. But I, I think agree. I think he's going to be able to do a great job there. And I think I think it's just a huge move in general. And I'm really curious to see how the next six months plays out with recruiting. Development, etc. But I think for Rob, it's a great move, and I think for UNC, no-brainer hire. Yes, uh, great hire. Uh, the question I had for someone was because uh, I don't see the why didn't um, why didn't he go for the job? Was he just doing too well at Cornell? When because Coleman Scott actually now that I thought about it, at first my first feeling was Coleman Scott's only been there for a few years but now I feel like it's actually maybe been a little bit 16 um, I think 16 or so 2017 16 15 or 16 I think 15 he was hired as an assistant 16 yeah okay. so was Rob was probably just doing too well and enjoying Cornell too much because yeah to, I mean the the feedback I got from people is that you know he went to college there this is his dream job this is something he's always wanted to do um, but obviously he didn't go for it last time so that's kind of what I was thinking yeah, I think 20, 2014, 15, maybe had it rolling too well at, at Cornell and thought maybe not now um, would be my guess because in, in 2020, everything sort of shifted on his view of how things were at Cornell, obviously, yeah. uh, which is what prompted him going to well, – and he almost went to UNC in like a – not a coaching role, but something uh, – he went, almost went from Cornell to UNC in that during that time until Stanford mm-hmm. opened up, and when they reinstated, he went there. But he almost yeah. went there to, I don't know, be around the program, fundraiser. I, I'm not sure exactly what. Uh, but yeah. then that got blown up when he went to Stanford, and he took that job, which was, you know, looked look to be heading in the in a great direction. And then um, he, he said he was shocked that Coleman left the position. And there was kind of a no. It's, it sounded to me like there was no no consideration of staying at, at, at Stanford for, for Rob. He was wow. dead set on, on going. And also like the location was a big big factor as well for he and his wife just getting back to their alma mater. And they they've been together since they were I think he said I can't remember if it was on the interview or before, like since they were like sixteen years old. Which is kind of incredible. 
Wow. So yeah. she went to North Carolina as well? Yes. That's what I okay. gleaned from that. Got it. And what, I mean, uh, was I, I said this last week, and now I, it, his dad coached there also, correct? I thought he coached at UNI. Well, Penn his dad State. was a three-time national champ at UNI. Oh, okay. I thought his dad he, also United, coached at, Bill Cole also coached at UNC. I don't know if he did, but he definitely coached at Penn State. Yeah, Penn State. Okay. But I don't know if he could have also coached at UNC. I'm from Fort Dodge, Iowa, baby. Hold on. All right. Bill Cole's got a Wikipedia. Yeah, Boom, I'm going to look him up. He's a legend. Oh, this man was born in 1923. What a savage. He, uh, yeah, Penn State. What a savage. <laughs> Let me just lift a, lift a birth date. Bill Cole, birth he, he stormed Normandy. Yeah, absolute beast. <laughs> what? Yes. Dude, You're that's what I think Sometimes when I think of, when I'm doing hard things, I tell myself, okay, there were some dudes who were on a boat who ran off the boat onto the beach with machine gun fire. I'm being a coward. I need to go do this thing. Yep. Right. Perspective is powerful. Very powerful. Um. Okay. There's a book. Oh no, it's a podcast. Darn it. Yeah, 14 seasons as the head coach uh, of Penn State. Yeah. Nice. Of course, Rob was almost the coach at Penn State during the uh, the initial kale yeah. time, and then came in and that was that so I'm assuming then Rob actually grew up in state college because his dad was the head coach there correct you know I don't now I'm having a hard time putting the timelines together to be honest yeah. hmm I, I'm guessing the answer is yes but who knows? I'm guessing so as well I mean Bill died in state college yeah let's yeah. see this is this is the Cole Family Radio Live. We're gonna go next to their genealogy there, hey. Yeah. Oh yeah. Why are you talking like that? They're not from Kenosha. <laughs> my man. wife my wife started embellishing a Wisconsin accent yesterday and our kids got so mad. She's like, That is not what Wisconsin people talk like. And, and my wife's like, Have you not listened to anyone? What are you talking about? And they're like, No one sounds like that. And I'm like, Well, every time Christian Christian tries to make fun of us Wisconsin people, that's what he sounds like. Well, that's what they sound like. I'm just sounding like them, Ben. <laughs> but they're nice people. So uh, funny. Okay. So, Rob, and I think no-brainer move of no-brainer moves is keeping Tony Ramos on. I think that's really smart by Rob. Rob mentioned he'd, he'd actually tried to hire Tony to Stanford back uh, when he went there. So he's excited to work with Tony, I'm sure. For Tony, it's a great opportunity as well. Gets to stay at UNC, which I know Tony loves being in Chapel Hill and UNC. So worked out great there. He and did you? I don't know if you got to listen to the interview yet, Ben. But I asked him if he was going to go after his Stanford commits, and he said obviously. So some of that massive recruiting class could. I love it when they're just honest, though. He, I would, I would like to power rank right. the most candid. Uh, college coaches he would be up there Kevin Dresser would be up there um yeah but yeah they he he's like yeah obviously so that's pretty yeah Stanford Stanford needs to get head coach real quick then like ASAP tomorrow and that's what yeah that's what's interesting it's like what now who throws their hat in the ring and it's so late this is so late in the game you know so it's, late for real but but if they know, if they wait if listen if they don't hire someone for six weeks bunch of them dudes are going to leave. It won't be six weeks. There's no way. Yeah. 
But that's what I mean, I'm saying. They need they need to make this happen quickly. They've got to do it in like two. I mean, less than two. You know. When does Stanford start school? Because they're I, I believe they're aren't they on like trimesters and they start later or something? I'm not as familiar with the academic calendar of Stanford as I used to be. Let me, right, let me see on, what I, I can it. dig up. Oh uh, yeah, I'm correct. Do listen. I got all the answers. You need something? You just ask me. It's September nineteenth uh, for new student orientation. September twenty first for undergraduates. That's so. Huge. Uh, yeah, so they have not started yet. Whereas you know uh, a lot of this, that that's probably very helpful to Mr. Rob Cole because if they had already started school, you know, two or three weeks ago, that would be probably harder to get them to unenroll and then come to his place. Well, I don't. Well, no, that's not what I meant. Um, I was but, I meant his recruiting class, not taking guys off the current Stanford roster. Oh, really? But that's what everyone else does. Why not? Um, I don't know. That's what I asked him about. I don't know that he wouldn't, but that's not what I asked him about. I asked him about oh, okay. his recruiting Got class it. that was unsigned. I don't I don't okay. see those I don't see any Stanford kids leaving this year like before this season. I mean, technically they're probably already enrolled in classes yeah. that have already started at UNC. They've so. already got all kinds of syllabi and whatnot. It's it's impossible. Syllabi. You can't leave. Yeah, North Carolina definitely probably started uh, their school year already, so maybe it's hard to get in. Yeah, yeah. These are these are not the most seamless schools to just, you know, transfer from one to the other. But it's Listen, easier probably to go got, from Stanford to UNC. Then. You can make some things happen. There you go. You can falsify some transcripts if necessary. <laughs> so that's got to take it to extreme. So the ACC is going to be nuts because. Listen, Rob Cole's going to take this UNC. Is, to I, this, this is ridiculous, Christian. What that Stanford in the ACC? I didn't even know. I, I was hanging out with Coach Smith on Saturday. He's already telling me it's like, wait, this team's in the ACC. I'm like, wait, what? It, it's preposterous. Nothing says Atlantic like Palo Alto, California. <laughs> <laughs> Coast, sure. So two out of three ain't bad. Oh uh, but God. yeah, Stanford moves to the ACC. Hopefully, they remain on a, on a similar trajectory and strength and. Um, are on solid footing as they have been since being reinstated. If you consider they're they're coming, and now you have to assume UNC is going to improve. And even though they were at a pretty high height, they got twelfth at NCAs last year, which is incredible. Two-time NCAA champion with Austin O'Connor, they were not. I I think the their level of dual competitiveness is going to increase. They lost. They 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 did not have a great regular season at UNC last year, as admitted by you know the coaches. Yeah. And so I think that's gonna that level's gonna get raised. And then you have Stanford coming in. Pitt's only getting better, and Virginia Tech and NC State are still high high bars to clear for that conference. So we've seen the Big Twelve absolutely strengthen, and the ACC now is stronger. Um, so. Mm-hmm some depth being created in, in all those conferences. So I think that's an exciting dynamic as well. Yeah, I mean, Coach Smith was talking about at some point, well, because there's, there's a few West Coast teams that have gotten left out of this thing. Mm-hmm. And so at some point, they're probably going to create a, a, some type of separate West Coast thing or something to that effect, I think is what he was saying. Yeah, I mean, what, what's why not start like an EIWA, but for the West yes, Coast? Yeah type of deal you know EIWA is not a real conference outside of wrestling it's only wrestling there used to be the western uh, wrestling conference it was like Wyoming and South Dakota State and some others so yeah they could do that I'm curious if that's what will happen but 
you know, Oregon State is officially like they're they're like Mountain West or nothing. It looks like right now. They're the ones that got screwed by it all, right? Yep, yep. But oh man, I talked with uh, Coach Pendleton. He's like, man, there's there's so much misinformation about Oregon State right now, um, being perpetrated by other coaches in recruiting. Uh, being what it perpetrated? Uh, is that the word? Perp- not I don't perpetrated. Know. What, what are you trying to describe? Spread. Per- spread. Well, what I'm saying is coaches are using Oregon State's conference situation as uh, for negative recruiting. Yeah, uh, makes sense. But it's not true. Oregon State's in in a very good, very healthy spot for wrestling. Nice. So, big stuff. Curious for to, to watch the next year or so unfold for, for UNC wrestling. Uh, Brayton Lee to Indiana. I think we, that was one of the schools we sort of threw out there as an option just because he's from Indiana. Chad Red yeah. coaches there. Uh, so that just makes sense. That's a good one. It's good. Good for them. I like uh, for, for Brayton, I know he's just so banged up. He's, he kind of wants a really limited schedule so he can go kind of go hard at his his final run. I heard other rumors about Minnesota this weekend. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about any of them. What Gable coming back? That's what I heard. Yeah, what well, I, I mean, it's absolutely. I got good sources too. I got boots on the ground. I wouldn't surprise me at all. The question <laughs> for me right now is: Is he doing worlds? Ooh, that's quick. We got. I mean, I don't know if you guys realize this. We only have eleven days till the first day of worlds. Mm-hmm. And it starts off with freestyle. It do. I need it. We need. When is Team USA going to the... Or is it the 15th? It might be only 10 days. When do they leave? Yeah, when are they going to be there? Very soon, because I know they're doing acclimation camp in Germany yeah. for like Romstein. a week. Yep. So they probably leave literally in the next two so days. So we need to see you know, any any uh, Gable Dan footage from, from Germany. Flight tracker? Flight tracker, yeah. Can we just... Oh, <laughs> flight tracker. That's a good one. We should use that. But you can't track if someone's on a plane. Oh, or can you? <laughs> I know well, people. Deep State Ben can. We don't have access to those those documents. <laughs> uh, um, let's see. So actually, we're probably only ten and a half days away because you know this is in Serbia. So we got you know deduct half a day there. I think we're good to go. Yep. Very soon. How uh, many oh. hours ahead are they of us? Because I, I listen. I don't like that. Mid- wake up middle of the night watching wrestling. That's just too early. It's early or late, depending on how you do it. Um, man, I'm trying to think. What was the one? I think it was Georgia. There was one that was like perfectly like wrestling started. This is like 2016 or so. Wrestling started at like yeah. midnight. It was, it was so brutal. But then that you got to kind of stay up the whole day because then you got you know you have the like four say four hour first session and then the breaks usually not that long. The breaks like I don't know what four hours or you know three mm-hmm. hours somewhere in there and then they got the next round after that. Yeah, yeah. it's. It's 6.09 p.m. No, I, in Georgia. I got 4.09 right in Serbia. I'm looking at Georgia. I'm trying to confirm oh. if that was the one. Don't Georgia's cr- only one hour ahead of us. It's probably the one that was in Kazakhstan, Christian. That's probably the one. Five that one. No. Georgia. It was in Tbilisi. Nah, why why you? So. Why are you hell-bent on correcting me? You don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You're just correcting me to correct me. You don't think there's ever been an a, a age-level world championship in Georgia? I'm just messing with you. I'm laughing. I should have fought you when I had the chance. 
when you're right, old and decrepit. Yeah, 10.30 a.m. wrestling the first day. So that's 3.30 a.m. for us. Semifinal. See, semifinal is what I'm talking about. Semifinals be right at noon. That's perfect. That's nice. Let's do it. That's when you get nice and rowdy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Avery Gaming says, you can track who's on the flight, CP. That's just not true. Such a lie. Uh, okay. Man, we got to talk... Hey, did you see what JD and Tyler were up to the last week? Ben? I have watched. I just watched. They, you know what? They got to eat lunch with Mitchell Messerich yesterday. That was very. Uh, where, where did he take you? He was trying to say it was high, but to me, it looked like the second story. So I don't think it was that <laughs> That's high. That's what I thought too. It, it was absolutely the second. Uh, <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you get a great view. <laughs> it kind of, it kind of was high for uh, for State College, though. I will, that I will say funny. that. He did. He said, "Your feet are disgusting." Yeah, he he made mention of that several times. Why is he why is he coming to me like that? I didn't do nothing to him. This is your interview. We were talking about going barefoot places, and he was like, "Yeah, Ben does it all the time." And he put me off of it because his feet are so disgusting. No, I'm listen, I'm a natural man here, <laughs> man of the earth. I know you are, and it's turned your feet disgusting. <laughs> He's okay, man here's of the other the thing. Earth. Listen, I'm a geography major, so I wanted to say this when I heard Mitchell say say the valley. If there's a valley. There's a reason there's a valley. There's got to be hills on that son of a gun, right? Maybe it's like this. Maybe it's like this. But you go up on the hill, then you see the whole thing. That's true. This but, is true. But if you're in the valley, you can't. Well, surely someone said, like, hey, there's a valley. Someone want to live up on that hill over there because it's going to be a good view. And then someone said, yeah, that's cool. Let's do that. Well, he hasn't lived there very long. So okay. give, give him I bet a... David Taylor lives up on the hill. Probably Kale, too. Kale's probably, Kale probably lives at the top of the hill. He's got his, you know, he's got that one of those big telescopes, and he's watching what all those dudes are doing. He has to put a quarter in every time he wants to watch. Yeah, though. he's like, he's like, I don't know why I didn't just spring for the one you can use any time, but this is still pretty sweet. <sighs> Fortunately, I have a lot of quarters. Uh, okay, so yeah, that was great. I gotta say, man, the it was so fun following along what you guys were doing. If you haven't seen the series, is up. It's on the site. It's on Facebook, YouTube. These guys went to seven D one schools in seven days. And they slept uh, in wrestling rooms every single night in order to raise money for Maui, which they raised a lot of money, in fact, because you guys were also involved in, in donating a lot. It was awesome. I was, I was uh, exceptionally uh, very, very proud of, of the work they were able to do. I thought it was like, man, this is, like, this is what we want to be doing. This is the great... You know, they, pres- they pitched this idea a couple weeks ago, a month or two now, maybe, and... I thought, oh, this will be cool, and then it ended up being just so totally awesome. And there's more to come still. Yep, still more coming out. And uh, on this feed, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, uh, we will be uploading all the interviews we did on here, kind of in, in team chunks. That'll start going up today. So if you missed any of the interviews, there's a lot of good ones that you want to listen to. You can do so right here. On yeah. Your- so podcast feed yeah so it'll be in your feed um which is something we're just kind of trying to see if you guys like that because i know i know for me like i want to listen to all the interviews but it's not as easy to pull them up on my phone if they were just on a podcast player i think it'd be a lot easier and the interviews are really good so i want to hear them and i figured you guys might too so be on the lookout for those in the feed starting today yeah probably what was, uh, what was your favorite stop jd Every stop was kind of unique for its own reason or fun. Like Penn State's cool because you get to talk to national champs and you don't get to go there all the time. 
West Virginia is cool because I had never been there. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, Lock Haven was cool because they took us to a little town festival. Virginia Tech was cool because Jimmy Mullen took us on the football field. Like, so every right. place kind of had its own unique thing that made that made it really cool. Yeah, you went to a lot of just beautiful places too. Yeah, um, it was it was. After they're worth places to drive for hours and hours too. Yeah. Well, it, it looked like it looked like a heck of a lot of fun. Did you learn anything? Any uh, any little juicy tidbits? Uh probably. <laughs> I, I took in a lot of information last week, so let me let me, let me see. What do you think about Mullen? Do you think we'll we'll see him some this year? On the wrestling mat or football field? Mm -hmm. Wrestling mat. Uh, I think the plan is probably for him to, to redshirt this year, but... They could use him in some duels. Yeah, he's still intended to do both. He's still working out with both, and it sounds like both teams are really working together uh, oh. for him to do both, so... Was Sonny I'm Sasso so skeptical there? that he's there, there yeah. do both. Uh, you know, we have a bunch of them now, right? I think uh, Keeter, obviously, is one. Jim, Jimmy Mullen, I think maybe didn't the kid from Illinois, Dylan Johnson, said that also. Um, I just, man, it's so hard and the season goes so long for football it just doesn't leave yourself much time for wrestling no it does not yeah i'm always skeptical as well yeah we'll see yeah. um i, I feel Isn't like that one really big good kid christian like say five years ago uh and he mainly played football but i think he said he was gonna wrestle also he's like a national champ went to nebraska do you remember that guy? No, from, South, from South Dakota. Looked like Bress Lochner a little bit. Yeah, South Dakota. Yeah. Uh, N Huttmacher. Nash Huttmacher. Was he good at football or no? I don't know. Uh, let's look. Nash Nebraska's Hunt. not very good. 0-1 this year. Says he's, an, he's got a wit. Yeah, here we go. Plays at Nebraska. Dude, he's like getting mm -hmm. interviewed with the... Yeah, he must be decent. Oh, what a beast. What Played a beast. A, played in 11 right. games in 2021. Key member of the Husker D-line as a sophomore, played in every game, um, 15 tackles. So, yeah, he's he's a contributor. Nice. All okay. right. Sweet. Yeah, he was a beast. Uh, Osa hey. Odegazua, do you remember him, Ben? Who? Osa Odegazua. You are making that name up. No. He <laughs> was a Fargo champ from Oregon. Oh, wow. And now he plays for the pretty sure he plays for the Cowboys. He's like a really, he's like an exceptional, uh, I'm pretty sure, defensive lineman. Have you ever heard of Micah Parsons? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds familiar. He never won Fargo, though. Yeah, Osa, um, yeah, he's on the Cowboys. He's really good. He went to UCLA. Anyway. Anyway. Football Radio Live. Um, I swear to God, though, if we don't do tears on Thursday, I'm leaving the show. I kind of, I'm gonna just keep pasting teasing. it in there. Oh, <laughs> teasing tears, teasing, you know what? Teasing tears. For like the last you, eleven episodes or something. This, if if Shane's on Thursday, tears could break him because the idea of separating these guys, like, oh, man. we can't let Shane on. If we're doing tears, Shane's not coming on because he will just be so indecisive and not put anyone in tear, and it'll be infuriating. Yeah, because anyone that's he'll yeah I <laughs> he will tear. And honestly, one twenty five will be one of the most fun or maybe difficult. I don't know ones to tear because we don't have to get into it because we should get to questions. But it's a pretty yeah. crazy crazy weight class. This is a funny question to me. I just love how it's written from Bennett Durham Klein. What is the most absurd rule in wrestling? 
What is the most absurd rule? It's like not wrestling? what's the dumbest rule or worst rule. What's the most absurd? I'll say as bad as I think grounded is, it's it's a bad rule. I think the slip is the most absurd. Oh yes, good call. Absurd. Yes, good. Why? Why yeah. do we have this? also correct throw, Christian? Because oh. if it was a correct throw, this I mean everyone says this, but it's so obvious. If you did it correctly, they'd be on their back or you get a takedown. Yeah. If they land back on their knees or their feet, it's not correct. They should Sorry. just change the name of it to high amplitude throw or something like that because especially in Greco, like I at least get it where you want dudes throwing them even if they don't necessarily get the takedown or the guy ends up on his back. And you can still be like, yeah. that was sick. You should get a point or two for that. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you know what I, said, I was thinking, you know, obviously something like that, like a grounded comes into play all the time. The most ridiculous rule is probably something like really obscure that you very rarely see. Like there's one, I'm going to call it one of our coaches because Josh Wagner, he does this all the time and I think it lacks integrity. He's our oh. AWA Green Bay coach. There's the one gimmick where if you do have a figure four on one leg on top and folk style and your foot crosses over the other leg, you know what I'm saying? If you have a figure four. It, if you have a figure four, right? And so right. your say your left leg is behind your right knee. Uh -huh. Okay, so then your right leg is sticking out behind it because your right leg is straight. And if your right leg goes over their ankle, that's actually it's called an over scissors and it's a penalty point. He'll just stop the match all the time, like over scissors, over scissors, and he gets points for it all the time. I have no idea why it's illegal, but it is the dumbest rule ever. You know, and 98% and of the kids, 99, no, I'll say 100, 100% of the kids. Do it by accident because there is not really any advantage to actually doing that. And I have no idea why it's illegal. So something like that where it's very obscure. And I only know it's a rule because freaking Josh Wagner doesn't have the ethics to not yell at people for doing it. Wow. Unethical Josh Wagner. <laughs> I, I think. Um, about. Yeah, I'm, I have never heard of that. Have you? Yes. Josh gets points for it all the time. He really does. Like, because he'll, 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 and he'll tell us about, like, look, I'm going to get a point. I want to get my guy a point on this one because, because no one knows that no one knows to not do it because it's obscure. That is so obscure. Yeah, you'd be hard pressed. Uh, this is a challenge to the fans. Find a more obscure rule in in wrestling. It's very obscure. You know what I think is dumb? Like we are so ingrained in it because it's always been a rule, and we know folks are wrestling. But if you look at it from an outsider perspective, that you can't lock your hands. I on knew top you were gonna say that. Is so weird. Like well. But yeah, I mean, and I, so I that, that, that goes into like I said, I said this, but like top is so much easier, and that's why there has to be all these rules. I know, but it's you know like or no? crazy. Like, you, if you want to go like purist, like you got on top, you should be able to lock your hands. Yeah, or figure for the body. Like, in, I mean, that like the figure for the body. They would say, uh, well, allegedly it's illegal because you hurt people. But we see it all the time in, in jiu-jitsu. No one hurts anyone in jiu-jitsu yeah. from a, a body figure four. So it's like, well, how did they hurt him in wrestling? I'm not quite certain. Well, at least that one has an excuse. It's not a good excuse, but it has one. The only excuse for not being able to lock your hands on top is that it makes it too hard to escape. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that's a good enough reason. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's like, I, I agree. listen, you'll never get out. Because, all right, think about it like this. What if in football you were just able to tackle the receivers as soon as the ball snapped immediately like offense would cease to yep. exist no and I, you wouldn't I have agree. the game so i i like it i don't know you're right that it is sort of weird but it is so ingrained um i'm cool with it i'm cool you know what it. another dumb one in freestyle that you can't ever put two hands on the head 
Like I can oh, see yeah. on bottom, so you can't pull the gut wrenches over. I could see that, but like, like on your tie? feet, like sometimes when you're too, it's like, dude, it's like, what's the problem here? Oh, we had this so kid, at Buffalo Gap. He would do the, he would <laughs> get, he would get this in a collar tie, and he would do it real fast, and he would raise his. I swear, this kid is like he's gonna knee him in the face. This kid is insane. For, for the record, this kid was insane. He almost started fights. <laughs> Literally, he's actually in an asylum he, right he now. He started all... That is possible. He would do here, and he would raise his knee up so that the guy would, like, draft to defend himself, and then he would, like, snap down, go behind. Not it was... Or a setup. It was... It was lunacy. But it, he did it. Um, all right, I got it. I got it for you right here. So it is on... I'm going to set... I'm going to put this in the dock. It's page 17, middle... Uh, it's the middle upper... Um, like there's there's six photos on page seventeen. It mm-hmm. is uh, so oh, it's labeled number eighty four. Hold on, I'm gonna put it in the dock for you guys. Right. I found it. Uh, okay, I put it right above tears since there's no way we're ever getting to tears. That's right. All right, so it's it's in the dock now. All right, boom, boom. Page seventeen, I... number eighty four. This is this is the point, Josh. Josh gets this point all the time. What a <laughs> so piece. annoying. Set page seventeen. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's not eighty four. It's eight. It's eighty seven. Eighty seven. Eighty seven. Larry Steele in the chest says, Greco's a dumb rule where you can't touch their legs. <laughs> that is, that, yeah, that's factual. Rule 87. All right, let me look. It's 87. It's on page 17. Okay, so he's got a f- overseers when the pressure is applied against the joint. Yeah, he's causing hyperextension there, Ben. Bro, no one's ever hyperextended anyone's knee like that. Well, I don't understand what he's what is actually what is happening here. I'm just looking at this so picture. So I, I see what they're saying, and but it just never happens because what they're saying is the upper part is putting force on like the knee, and the bottom part you know, is putting force on the ankle, and it's moving the leg in a way it doesn't move. But literally, no one's ever done that, and literally 100 percent of the time this happens, it's just by accident. Like no one's actually trying to do anything with it. So it's basically when you the foot is not like deep in that knee pit. Yeah, like so really you know what I'm doing from- right now? I probably I should have told this because now every coach is going to be like Josh w- Wagner, and they're all going to be they're all going to be pointing this one out this year for a point for their guys. Dang, uh, I, I like number eighty four, <laughs> four around the like over. It looks so ridiculous. Well, so uh, the, yeah, both legs. You should be able to figure four both legs. I don't see why not. That's ridiculous. But you all these. Rules it looks ridiculous. ridiculous they are. I think that's why. It almost looks as ridiculous as the. Whoa! Look at eighty nine. Look at eighty nine. This I got a lot. <laughs> that's the. That's a, who that's would ever fi- do that? Dayton fix Austin DeSanto. Remember that? For those just oh, look, look at ninety two. That's the Spencer Lee special that he did like on a very regular basis, which oh, was never gosh. called illegal. For those just watching, eighty nine is just somebody on top just prying the person on bottom's face up. That should well, on be the it. forehead. They're doing it on, on the, the They're not doing like a Campbell clutch like on the chin, you know, like Sergeant Slaughter. They're doing it up here and like ripping his forehead. I think all these moves should be legal. I, the full Nelson should be illegal. Let's make that legal. Yeah. Let's go. Start the We move. should just go back to catch wrestling if we're being honest. Yeah, I, I tried doing that at Flow maybe like eight years ago. Uh, we did season one of Flow Premier League, and then you know it was all right. It wasn't great because we can't. It's hard to get a lot of guys to wrestle, unfortunately. And yeah. I come down. We're gonna talk about season two, and then all of a sudden it gets distracted, and everyone says we need to do pin or submit, and then it never happened, and FPL was killed. Kids today are just too soft. Yeah, I Wrestling's would love not it. Tough that enough. would be awesome. I mean, that's kind of Christian. That's kind of what 
During Corona, I was ta- I actually just told you this the other day. We were talking to Gordon Ryan about doing like a wrestlers versus jujitsu because you know during Corona everything was shut down, and um, uh, we had kind of discussed and and made something that was similar to catch wrestling because my point was uh, why the wrestling versus jujitsu thing never works is because the submission is still the only way to end, to end the bout, and so therefore if a wrestler gets a lead, they're just going to try to stall because there's no way a, a wrestler is going to submit a high-level jiu-jitsu guy. It's freaking mm-hmm. impossible. Right? But if you let us pin them, we can end the bout also. We need to have a way to end the bout for both parties, which would be catch wrestling. I'm not ruling it out. Not the worst idea. Um, yeah. Okay. Quick. Next question. This is interesting. I, uh, Pat Hitchler. Recently, it seems you, in order to have your son be who's number one level in wrestling, you need to spend thirty thousand a year sitting him around the country and building him a personal gym in your basement. Is there any chance not true for a financially weaker about? kid to excel at that level? So I will say, I do think there is some correlation with with some of the investment that some of the athletes get, and it does. There is an advantage to it that's undeniable. That's and not, yeah, that's there, fair. Um, I also think there is a way to do it without it being financially ruinous, but you do yes. you do need to be in proximity to you know a certain level of coaching, right, for it to be possible. Um, um, well, I mean, like I'll say, like uh, the Rainey brothers, they stayed home, and I, I think they're both their coaches, uh, um, Books Black. Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the other guy's name. I have known this guy since he was like 15. Jarvis, Jarvis Elam. He's they're great, right? Um, I'm sure they have some high level coaches come in, but they're doing a great job and those guys stayed home. I actually think people overestimate the effect of going to like a Wyoming Sam or Blair or those things. because um, a lot of times when, when those schools recruit those kids, they're already like near the best, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're taking crappy kids and elevating them. They're generally going out to recruit the best kids and then you know, maintaining their skill level in certain cases, like a little at all. I think he's continuing to get better for sure. I'm sure we could point out some other kids also, right? But no, I think I think the effect of that is overrated. Um, you have someone like a Davino. He stayed home. Um, you know, obviously, I think you'd say the Valiant Prep guys. They have access to high level coaching, which is true. But they're all they're all staying home. Um, who else? Well, you know, Marisol and Sinclair, they both stayed home. They both wrestled for their own high yeah. school program. Yeah, well, you're, you're listing people. I mean, Davino's in Illinois, Chicago area. Your guys are have you near you. Like, that. that's a big part of it. So, like, if you're in the middle of nowhere and you don't have a good coach, it's going to be really hard to be good at wrestling. That is true. You probably will yeah. need to, you'll probably need to move to somewhere with better partners or coaches, or you need to become a really good coach, which it's not that easy. So I think, uh, I, but I think but the thirty thousand dollars a year, I don't see where they get that. And actually, I think I think there are people that make you feel that way. And Max and I would both push back on this and say, and you know, obviously we're I will say we're a little bit spoiled because we're in the Midwest, mm-hmm. because we can drive to a lot of things. And if you're in uh, Florida, maybe that's not the case, but um, we don't really have our guys fly to that many tournaments, right? We go to the U.S. Open. Uh, in Vegas, that's going to be a fly for almost everybody. Um, you know, we can drive to Fargo, but a lot of people would fly to that. Um, and then everything else is like, okay, go to your local regional, uh, you know, Northern Plains or whatever. There's one in every region. Go to your state tournament. There's likely a couple other kind of tough-ish tournaments somewhere close. Like, 
you don't need to be going to a national tournament every other weekend. And there are people who make you feel that way, and that's wrong. It's not correct. Yeah, it, that, and that's the main thing. Um, that's the main reason I wanted to show this question is, like, you don't have to do – you don't have to have that level of competition commitment. And yeah. to Ben's point, it could be counterproductive because you're focused too much on competition, not enough on – Development, which in high school should be the main focus, but yeah. there is a, a a dynamic of, or the aspect of if you you need to prove yourself in order to get on the radar for college. That's true. That's so, true. But like I would say, it's it's too many. You know, honestly, with Max, the one of the big debates we had for a long time was I wanted our guys to have four opportunities because, well, and obviously if you live in certain states, and I said the Midwest, we have. We have a good options, but the East Coast is even better, right? Because they have all these great in-season tournaments. Wisconsin kids came and travel, and so for a while, there was no one recruiting our guys at all during the season, nowhere. And now we even have good kids where that's not the case. But so my argument was Super Thirty Two, um, UWW US Open Seventeen U Twenty U Fargo, um, and then Junior Cadet Duels. Those would be the four places our guys can really get recruited. You know, yeah. and Max is like, I don't even want him to go Super 32. Let's just keep developing during that point in time. He only wanted three options, right? But there's some of these dudes who are like, you got to go to every single dual tournament. And literally, they want their kids going to 15 really high-level tournaments a year. That, And I don't think that's productive. I really don't. Uh, the uh, the point I will 100% agree with you on, Christian, is you need some level of relatively high-level coaching. Um but there is also a lot of access online now, but that would be incumbent on the kid being really smart and being able to figure it out, which is tough. Yep. With that, we should go. But yes, success is accessible. There are some barriers, but you don't have to spend thirty grand to do it. Yeah, love it. And Good honestly, help. this sport's cheaper than that. I mean, look at the other sports. I don't know if you guys do this because you, Kristen, you just like wrestling. Other sports are like insanely expensive compared to wrestling. Baseball's nuts. If if we didn't nuts. just do the local league thing, it'd be crazy. Um, but we're just we're staying. We're buying local, ethically sourced baseball. Uh, we thank you guys so much for for tuning in. Don't spend thirty grand a year. No, it's okay. Oh. We will be back Thursday, two days from now, with another fresh FRL. Maybe Shane, maybe not. Maybe tears, maybe not. If we're doing tears. We can't have Shane on. If we're doing, I'm making you make a choice here. He probably has football to do. He's probably, yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys, going to be in Cincinnati. <laughs> Go Bearcats. All right, thanks so much. I don't know if the music's playing or not, but either way, we're out of here. Have a great Tuesday. Peace. Goodbye.